we're going to hear a talk from Sarah Yaklik, who is the director of Grotto Network, which is a new digital media outreach to young adults by the University of Notre Dame. And some of her team members are infiltrating the crowd here. And uh, previously to that, she was a director of digital media for the Archdiocese of Washington, D.C., and also at one time the coordinator of young adult ministry for the diocese. So hopefully you've probably seen, if you're on our South Bend young adult, Catholic Young Adult Facebook group, you've probably seen some Grotto Network uh, media, some videos, other things coming through. Uh, but if not, keep an eye out for them, and maybe Sarah will say something more about that. I don't know. But please welcome, give a warm welcome to Sarah Yaklik. Thank you, Sean, and a special thanks to the Knights of Columbus and the planning team, um, all the young adult volunteers who really work hard, not just tonight, but um, preparing to welcome us together. Um, what a gift it is for us to be able to gather together in community, to share a meal, to share drinks, and um, just explore topics of faith and, and be together. So um, before I dive in, I just wanted to express my personal gratitude, because um, I know it takes a lot of, a lot of hard work. So, the saints, bridging the gap between uh, heaven and earth, right? So, this idea of the saints, uh, many people think that they are you know, far away from us, um, maybe unrelatable, or not necessarily something that, um, or someone that we could be in relation and in, in friendship with. And so, I, I always like to go back, as some of the, my team members know, go back to the source of things, right? We start at the source, the foundation um, of, of our faith experience and our faith journey. So that could be from the catechism, that could be from sacred scriptures. And so tonight, I want to just start with a, um, a definition of who the saints are from our catechism. And the catechism says, The saints are all those who have followed in the footsteps of Christ the Lord, and by his grace made their lives holy and carried out the mission the Father entrusted to them. So that's what the catechism teaches us, that that's who the saints are. But what does that really mean for us, right? What does it mean to say that they followed in the footsteps of the Lord, that they made their lives holy by his grace, that they lived out his mission? To me, I think it breaks down into three categories. I think that the saints have taught me that they have this unshakable hope in the Lord's love. So what does that mean? What does this unshakable hope mean? I think it means that... They know that despite their limitations, despite their weaknesses, despite maybe the things that they failed or made mistakes, that in spite of all of that, they are so incredibly loved by the Lord. And that, to me, is incredibly freeing, right? That no matter what we bring to the situation, um, when we fall, when we make a mistake, the Lord loves us so much that in that, he says, it's okay, I can make you new again. And so I find that in, in the saints, these lives, they weren't perfect, right? I think sometimes we think the saints, because they are glorified by God and elevated um, as saints, that somehow there's this level of perfection. But that's not what it means um, to have uh, made their lives holy by his grace. What it means is in the falling and in the mistakes, they allow the Lord to enter in and God transforms. And I think that goes back to this whole idea of unshakable confidence and hope in the Lord. I think the second idea is that the saints had these lives that were incredibly rooted in prayer. If we're able, if the saints were able to live out the mission that was entrusted and given to them by God the Father, 
That means they had to be able to hear his call and hear his direction. And the only way to do that is through entering into moments of silence and entering into moments of prayer. And so for me, as someone who is, you know, exists in the digital realm, often for work, I have to learn to say, my answers are not necessarily always going to come here. Maybe I might use the, the digital highways as a tool to explore things and to find answers to questions, but I know ultimately all of that is brought forth to life in my prayer life. And that's what the saints have always taught me, that no matter what, you have to begin and end in prayer. And in that time with the Lord is where he is going to enlighten and help us discover that incredible mission that he has for us, right? We can't find that mission on our own. We might attempt to know, but I never thought I would be in digital communications. I, I didn't even want to have a Facebook page uh, because I was so afraid that Facebook was going to take me away from my personal interactions and encounters with my friends. And now here I am, you know, years later, leading another digital media effort because that's, that's what God does. He works when we say yes. He works in us when we give him his yes. But we have to find that confidence to be able to say yes in those moments of prayer and in reflection. And I think the other thing that the saints have taught me is that to live out that mission means that we have to be revolutionaries, right? We have to be willing to risk everything for the Lord. We have to be willing to put our lives at stake for him and his love and be willing to radically change the world because that's what the saints did. They, they took their situation and they transformed it by his grace. They didn't transform it on their own. They transformed the world in their corner of the world um, by saying yes to him and living a grace-filled life. And in saying yes, they said, all right, I am going, I'm going to break the chains of the current trends of culture. I'm going to um, inspire the world to be a different place because I believe that that's what God wants of us and I believe that that's where God is leading us. And so they have this, the saints to me have this revolutionary spirit, this courageous yes that allows them to do that, allows them to, to be martyred and sing as they're going to the death. It allows them to speak for truth. It allows them to be um, in Auschwitz and be willing to say, I'm going to stand and firmly profess that the Lord is Jesus Christ and, and convert and pray with my Jewish brothers and sisters because I believe that this is the truth. That doesn't happen by any of our doing, right? That could only happen with that supernatural gift that God the Father gives them. And so what does that mean, though, truly in personal life, right? So we have this beautiful idea of, that the, of what the saints and who the saints are. But how could we really make that real in our lives here in 2018, in our daily struggles, in our daily challenges, so for me to answer that, I feel like I have to start with my personal experience and my own journey to say, how is it that I have desired so strongly to have this friendship with the saints? So I'm going to take you all the way back to 1981, just dating myself, uh, but to March 20th. It was the day that I was born, um, first day of spring. If I was born an hour and a half earlier, I would have been Josephine instead of Sarah. March 19th is the feast day of St. Joseph. But I thank God in his goodness 
said, I'm going to let her poor mom stay in labor a little bit longer <laughs> um, and have her come on the first day of spring. I am by nature a summer girl through and through. So being here in South Bend for my first winter, I'm learning what winter means. <laughs> um, but I also know that um, St. Joseph was going to enter into my life later. My mom had this really great gift of, on our birth certificates, only putting for my siblings and I our first name. So until confirmation, until I was confirmed, I was only Sariaklik. That was it. Even in first grade, the first time I had to write you know, for our standardized test, the middle initial left that blank, right? It was Sarah. And that's who I was known as uh, until I was confirmed. And I, I really, when I was um, preparing for confirmation, I wanted to take a name of a saint that really did matter to me. Um, instead of <laughs> looking at a saint that I was going to be inspired by and live my life in a new way, I went to a saint that I knew I needed some help with. And um, growing up, I was, um, life was very beautiful, but life was also very challenging. And I grew up in a home with an alcoholic father who made life intensely difficult for my siblings and my mom. My younger brother was very sick, had a serious brain surgery, was in hospital for weeks at a time. And so life was very, very, very challenging. And being the oldest of three, I had to take care of my siblings in a way that if things were different, I probably would have had a little bit more freedom. And I had a very hard time being able to call, pray to God our Father, right? That this idea of having um, a father that you trust to take care of things was so opposite of everything that I knew. I, I saw father as someone who abandoned you, someone who hurt you, and someone who made things so difficult that you can never think you could ever trust a human again. And so how is it that I was supposed to pray to God our Father when I couldn't trust him? And so I went to St. Joseph. I said, I'm going to start with the foster father of Jesus and ask him to walk with me. And I started growing closer and closer to St. Joseph. And he was with me. And suddenly, there was a new confidence that I had experienced because of putting my trust in walking with him. But that wasn't um, enough. I, I think that um, living with someone who... Um, you know, having an alcoholic in your family and, and trying to navigate that. Sometimes some of the, the difficulties arrive even later. And I started looking at my prayer life and thinking about different saints and how they could walk with me and journey with me. And a friend of mine had told me about St. Giannamola, who I fell in love with. And it was this radical pro-life witness. And um, when she was pregnant with her fourth child, she, the doctor said, you have a tumor. And they asked her to abort her baby to save her life. And, I, and she said, no. She trusted that God would take care of her daughter and, that, and her family. And she gave the Lord her radical yes. And she decided to give to value the life of her daughter um, more than her own. And my friend had told me that story because I had my uncle, my mom's only brother, had special needs. And she knew how much I loved my uncle Walter. And my, my uncle had taught me, I think, more about life, even though he was on a second grade level, than maybe some of the most intelligent people that I've encountered. Um, he taught me about what forgiveness means. 
He taught me how to say I'm sorry when we need to say I'm sorry. He taught me to see the world through heaven's eyes. He, he saw beauty in a way that I'm not sure I've ever experienced beauty to his depth. And I think it was because he put so much love and trust and, and saw the world through heaven's eyes that in doing that, um, he has always inspired me to be a better person. And so my friend's like, you have to get to, to know St. Gianna, especially Sarah. She's like, you're a pro-life person. You're advocating for it all the time. So get to know her. And so I did. I was starting to, getting, to get to know her more, and, and I was falling in love with her and, and wanting to pray to her so that way people like my uncle were welcome in this world. And suddenly I started growing closer and closer to her. At the same time, I, my external reality was kind of a, was a mess. I had graduated from college, I had a great job, and so into the world's eyes, things were going well but I was so hurt inside. And all the effects of the alcoholism and everything that happened growing up began to take effect in my life. And I went through a terrible stage of an eating disorder that almost killed me. And I was at probably at the lowest stage that I could have ever been at. And I kept growing closer and closer to St. Gianna. And I thought I was praying to her for this beautiful pro-life witness for a pro-life world, that we could transform the world. And what I was amazed by her was her continued yes. It wasn't to me that she gave this huge yes to save her, her daughter's life. That was absolutely beautiful. That was absolutely heroic. But what I was intrigued by her was that in order to give that big yes, she had to give little yeses along the way. So when she almost had to quit her medical schooling because of the, the war breaking out, she decided, nope, I'm going to enroll in a different school. And when she really wanted to be married and she was not getting married, she trusted that God was going to provide a spouse, that God was going to, if her vocation was a vocation of love, God was going to make that happen. And when her sister died because of the flu, who she was incredibly close with, she kept going. And she said, I'm going to inspire other young women. I'm going to inspire young women and teach them that they could have careers and that they could be doctors. And she kept saying yes and yes and yes and left this beautiful legacy. And in all of those little yeses, she built up, created that space in her life for God to help her give that ultimate yes. And so I was so intrigued by her ability to keep giving her yes to the Lord and suddenly I realized, whoa, that's, that is the pro-life story here. Like my own healing that I needed. Here I was going to her and begging her to transform the world. And she was starting to transform my life. And I didn't even realize that that was happening. And so as I was, as I was getting closer to her, I was recognizing, you know, it's okay to, to be limited and to be broken. And we have these incredible saints that are there to walk with us and to journey with us. And so I decided, okay, I need more than St. Joseph. I need more than St. Gianna. I need a whole team. And so I started bringing more and more saints onto my team. And I created this vision. I actually had to have this, this vision of people actually on my team, right? Think about all the, the sports teams, our work teams, um, all those moments when we are surrounded by a sense of community and a sense of mission, and how inspiring and hopeful that is when you could walk and journey with other people. 
and that's that whole sense of uh, community and collaboration and walking together I thought I need that because I am broken and so I put more and more Saints for different reasons onto the team and suddenly I was liberated and free in my own oppression that I was putting on in my life, right? The, the moments of darkness that were flooding. And I started that even in the moments of joy, we still need help and we need support. So I started putting members of, of the saints on my team for work, right? So um, St. Benedict, I absolutely love that whole idea of to work is to pray. And that when we work and we put our whole into our work, it could be a living prayer. So that way, everything that we are doing gives God glory. Everything that we do could be a reflection back of him. So what does that mean? It takes work instead of something that's demanding and challenging, and it, it becomes this gift that we get to give back to the world. And so I always brought St. Benedict on. Every day I pray to him to say, okay, let my work be my prayer for you today, Lord. And I, and I really tr tr truly trust that he has walked with me. Um, I could think of a moment when I was back at the Archdiocese of Washington and I was covering Pope Francis's visit to the United States. I think we were going on maybe an hour, two hours night's sleep while he was um, in DC covering the story. And his last visit, um, after he came, was at the Capitol, he came to Catholic Charities. And he, um, had, was going to pray inside and then come out to a seated dinner with clients and volunteers of Catholic Charities. So everybody from um, our homeless outreach volunteers to people in crisis pregnancy centers to immigration attorneys to um, immigrants who were served by those attorneys to the homeless who would come on Wednesday evenings to have food at what's called Maria's Meals and have a free meal. We were all gathered together under this huge tent. And like the planner that I am, I had everything planned. What time this tweet was going to go out, what time this Instagram post was going to go out, what photo was going to attach, this line of the prayer, when the Pope said this, we we're going to tweet this. Totally outlined, thought we were ready to, be, to go. Praying to St. Benedict, St. Benedict, help me glorify this work, let it bless the Father. I got there early. When you're covering something in media, you have to claim your space, right? So there are these media risers, and you have to claim your space because everyone is fighting for the best spot. So uh, we, I get there, I claim my space, have everything going. I got, I'm serving everything. I'm like, great, I got the shot for the camera. I know he's going to walk here. Everything was lined up. And suddenly, my eyes are being drawn to this young man. And the, the whole time, and I'm, I'm trying to live tweet what the Pope is saying at, on the hill, so I have like headphones in, and I'm tweeting what he's saying. And my heart and my eyes are drawn to this young man. And he had a burn on his face. Um, and he was one of the, the um, homeless men who often comes on Wednesday evenings. But I just would turn, and, and he, he was just flooding my vision. And right before I'm about to get ready for the Holy Father to walk out of the doors, they come and say, Sarah, we need to move you because the camera is, we're afraid, everyone is so excited. We're afraid that the, um, the camera might get tripped. And so we need to block, have some of our staff block people. And I thought, okay, I have to say yes, I have to be obedient, I'm gonna do that. So I go and I'm thinking, 
all right, I don't have the angle anymore. I'm not going to get everything that I had planned. All right, I guess I have to have come up with plan B. It was plan C, because the Holy Father went completely off script, as he does like to do. And instead of offering the prayer and, and giving his speech and walking down the side, he decided to jump right in the crowd of people and had a blast. And everybody was cheering, and the energy was amazing. And I'm standing there, and I'm thinking, shoot, I think I need to jump in, too. I, I, if I've got to cover the story, I'm going to jump right in. So I jump in, and I'm like, all right, this is great. I got right by him. I got grabbed this photo of him taking a selfie with somebody, and we're, it's going. And all of a sudden, I st stop for a second. And who am I standing next to? That man who I had been drawn to the whole time. And I just look at him, and then I see Pope Francis. And out of, I don't know what overcome me, except I know that it's prayer, I say to the Holy Father, I say, Holy Father, come here. And I like, almost like pull the Pope to this man, okay, right? I'm telling the, the Holy Father, like, come here. And all of a sudden, he, just, he looks at me, and he comes over, and he puts his hand on the man's head. And I could almost feel the spirit there working. And he laughs, and he grabs my arm and walks away. And usually, when I'm covering event, when I was covering events, I could give someone my business card, and I could say, I'll, I'll, "I'll send you. I could email you pictures." And I thought, I don't even know if this man has a phone. Does he? Does he have email that I could email him a photo? And so I just decided to let my work be my prayer at that moment. And I decided to stop covering. And I looked at him and I said, "Do you know how much Jesus loves you? Like Pope Francis came here to tell you that you are loved." And I showed him the photo on, on my phone and said, this is it. This is him blessing you because Jesus loves you this much. And then I just sat with him and I gave him a hug and we had this moment together. But it was, I truly believe, I don't have the courage on my own to tell the Holy Father who to, to come to, right? Who, who am I? But who am I when I'm in relationship with the Lord? We have the courage to be those revolutionaries. We have the courage to say, there's a piece of brokenness in our world right here, and we have the courage with his grace to transform that and let the Lord's love shine through. And so when we let our work be our prayer, beautiful things happen. And so I, I keep doing it, in, inviting more saints for different reasons on to my team. I was just with um, my godparents the other day, and we were driving someplace, and they always pray to Padre Pio for a parking spot. Right? Now, someone could say, like, okay, is that legit to pray for a parking spot? But let me tell you, I really believe when they say, thank you, Padre Pio, for giving us that spot, that they really mean it, right? There's that ability. Why not ask the saints even for, to help with little things? It's bold. It's courageous to say, I trust the Lord enough that even the, the small, insignificant things can be transformed and made easy. And because if we trust in those little moments, again, like St. Gianna, we have that ability to be able to transform the big things. So having that radical trust means something. So absolutely, when I'm looking for a parking spot, although being not in D.C. anymore, parking here is pretty easy. I don't have to call on Padre Pio uh, like I had to uh, seven months ago. But um, I still do that because it's the sense of recognizing our dependence, 
are dependent on God, or dependence, excuse me, on God in all situations. And how freeing that is. That in the little moments and in the big moments, we're called, we get to, to be released of our own need or what I see sometimes is this idea of like perfection, right? The saints have taught me we don't have to be perfect. We don't have to be the saviors. We don't have to have all of the answers. When we think that, that's when we're actually acting less saintly because we're not being humble and pride has entered in. The saints were not perfect. They were holy. And that's a radically different way to live. And it's so freeing. It's something I struggle with all the time. And when I step back and when I make all my mistakes and I engage in poor patterns or past behaviors again, but I recognize that it's okay. There is no need for us to be perfect and that God works with us every day. And that's why for me, calling on that, that team of saints is so um, liberating. And I keep saying it's, it's freeing because I can't help but explain how real that is to me and how much it has helped me to view my life in a different way and give me the courage when I needed courage and the support when I needed support. Because it, it, we can't do this on our own. And the world, the world needs saints, right? We're each called to be saints. Um, but we don't do that on our, on our own. And we could look at those saints as the examples on how to live a holy life, how to live a faith-filled life. And I think about it, this whole idea, again, going back to the source of things, when the catechism talks about our baptismal calling and um, what happens when we receive our name, there's this beautiful line in it that says, our names become icons of the person. So think about that for a second. A name is an icon of that person. Wow, that's beautiful, right? Icons, this beautiful piece of art that takes 40 or 50 hours to, to build and to create and to let the light and the layers to come to life, right? Our names are an icon of our living reality. When we are baptized in God's family, all that we are and all that we try to be, our names are reflected in that. And so when we call on the saints, when we say, Saint Gianna, pray for us, what are we doing? We're saying, Saint Gianna, who was courageous and loving and gave that ultimate yes, help me do that. When we say to Saint Therese, help me in the little ways reflect God's love, when we say her name, we're saying, let that light, let that reflection of your beauty also come to life in my own life. And so I say to you, um, find, your, find your team of saints. It may sound elementary and very basic, but it, I, I promise it helps to have this visual of people who are with you. I love to travel. I love adventure, but I hate flying. Absolutely hate flying. And so I have to actually envision the saints, like filling up those seats in that plane with me before I walk on that plane. I mean, I do not like flying, but I love to travel. So I need to, I need to fly, right? I need to go to be able So I have that visual of people who are coming with me. And let me tell you, again, freedom and comfort. So think about all those areas in your life where you may need a little bit of help and invite them along with you. Invite them. And it's, it's not that we're saying that the saints are replacing our relationship 
with the Lord, right? We're not glorifying, elevating the saints. What we're doing is we're help, the saints are helping us to make space in our own life to make God present. So it's actually relying on God the Father. It's relying on the Holy Spirit. It's relying on Jesus who loves us so much that he gave his life for us on a cross. When we rely on the saints and get to know them, we're creating that openness and that space so that the Lord could enter in and we draw closer to him. By drawing closer to the saints, we draw closer to him. And so I say, find your team um, of saints. Be courageous in the ask. Call them by name. Invite their characteristics. and Invite the, the, what inspires you to want to get to know them. Invite those patterns and behaviors um, into your life and allow it to transform you. Because I really do believe that God wants us to be saints, right? And he, does, he calls each of us in, in our little ways, in our little souls, and invites us to, to be those saints in this world that we need. And the world needs it now, I'm convinced, more than ever. Um, and this is our time, right? This is our moment to give God glory. We, don't, we may not have tomorrow. We only have right now. And so find, allow the saints to help you become a revolutionary, and you just might be a spark that could t- may change someone else's life. Um, thank you for your talk. In it, you talked about um, calling saints onto your team. Mm-hmm. When we were discussing it at our table, have you ever felt like a saint clamoring to be on your team, like the reverse? And could you speak to that? Sure. It's a great question. So, um, yes, actually, I have found a number of times where saints, I've been, I, I thought I was drawing or going, drawing closer to them but I realized that they were the one drawing me to them. So not the opposite. I wasn't going in search for them. They were there um, inviting me to understand a different reality. So even um, St. Monica, for example, right now I'm really drawn to St. Monica. Um, And I've even found myself now going to be a parishioner at St. Monica's, right? This whole idea of in... in, So in this idea of the new work that I'm doing, um, really developing with our team this inspirational content that we're hoping will really help young adults um, na- navigate life easier and, and rediscover the joy of, of the Catholic faith. And suddenly I realized, I thought I was going to be praying to all like the patrons of communications, right, to help us with our outreach. And so I've got, you know, St. Gabriel and, and St. Francis de Sales, whose feast day is tomorrow. And check out GrottoNetwork.com for an awesome feast day playlist, um, Spotify playlist. Um, so I thought that's who I needed to go to for this work, that I had to go to the communicators, and what I was realizing was, yes, I do need to go to them and, and ask God to bless the work. But what I found myself was, oh, there's a deeper reality of something that was happening. And I was drawn to this motherly love that St. Monica had and how she really just knew that the Catholic faith and, and faith in Jesus Christ meant everything and wanted her son so much to be free and to, and to be able to um, experience that. And suddenly I realized, oh, Yes, I need to be praying for the work, but I'm, gonna, I'm going to St. Monica and I'm going to be close to her because I, I want our young adult community to know what it feels like to have that joy, um, to live a life, a faith-filled life. And so 
that was a big surprise to me. And then here I am finding myself in the parish and I was like, whoa, okay, like you're really calling me to you and really inviting that. And so that is just that one example of, I thought it was going in one direction and you know, I had to allow myself that space, that quiet time to say, oh, there's something else that I need attentiveness um, drawn to. Thanks for everything, Sarah. Um, can you highlight a few other ways to how you get to know the saints? Um, I mean, sometimes the writings can either be really hard to get through, or I mean, how is it that you do get to know them better? Mm-hmm. So I, yes, yeah, so the, the saints, sometimes the, the writings are very challenging, especially sometimes the language is like, okay, what does it mean right now in, in this language, <laughs> you know? Um, but what I, I found myself doing is, allowing myself to um, sit with it. Like sometimes, like St. Francis de Sales, for example, I was just looking at Intro to the Devout Life. It's a great book I love, and you could read about in little sections. And I was reading um, yesterday the piece on friendship and, and what beautiful friendship, um, that what we're invited to in, in real authentic friendship. But I found myself, I had to read it several times. Right? I had to sit with it, I had to read it, I had to pause, I had to read it again. And so sometimes I think they are so intelligent and either some of the saints who are philosophers or just have this beautiful way and this complete trust in God that they have this beautiful writing. And I'm like, whoa, like I need to catch up to you because I'm so not there. And so I just learned to, to spend time with it, to, a lot, to reread it, to pause, to ask a friend, what does this mean? Like I've come to know the saints by having conversations with my friends of, you know, has this person inspired you? Or um, even doing some online research, like I'll, I'll, even just doing simple things like Googling, you know, the quote on, or quotes on Hope by Saints, right? And allowing, to see, see what pops up, read that, and then if you like that style of writing, then go to the bookstore and actually pick up the authentic source. Pick up that that autobiography or, or a piece of reflection that they wrote. And that's how I found myself being able to um, enter in. And, and, and different saints have different styles, right? Like that's, I think, the beauty of the, the saints is that our church is so wide and vast and there are so many ways and avenues that we get to experience God's love. And so for some people, philosophy is not going to be the answer. But some people are not going to be able to understand God. Some people, like, I love John Paul II. I absolutely love JP II. Like, he is my man. He has, like, walked with me. I find his writing absolutely amazing. My best friend, she loves St. Benedict. She's like, Sarah, no, that, I understand that. Now, they're both beautiful, and they both lead us to the Lord. But the way my body is created, the way God created me and my mind and my heart, I just relate more to JP2, where she relates to um, Pope Benedict. And so give yourself the freedom to, when we're looking at the saints, get to know the ones that feed your soul, because God is speaking to you in that. And it's the beauties that we don't have to fit into this mold, and not all the saints are going to speak to us, but become friends with the ones that do. Um, and, it, and it might lead you to friendship with other saints. Um, for those of us that are newer to the faith, or some of us who may feel we have less exposure to like, just the saints in general, would you say there's a good way to expose yourself to finding like, lists of saints or learning about saints? Or do you have any like, specific resource that you might suggest for exposing yourself to that information? Yeah, sure. So there are a lot of even digital tools that are really helpful. So there's even a Saint of the Day app 
where um, you could have a short little reflection on the saints' feast days. And I personally love the church's wisdom and how we utilize the liturgical season. Right? There's something so beautiful about the rhythm of the church and the different saints we celebrate at certain times of year. And when we allow ourselves to enter into that, we get to know them better. And so sometimes what I also like to do is check usccb.org has the daily readings. And if there's a big feast day or a solemnity, um, it will say, you know, feast day of, like tomorrow, it will say St. Francis de Sales. And so um, you could say, okay, we're celebrating this feast, the saint today. Then do some online research about that saint. Um, but I think being in tune with the liturgical season has really helped me because there is so much wisdom in um, how the church puts that season together that getting to know the saints in that time has um, kind of really enriched my spiritual life. So in your talk, you talked about um, coming to love the saints and walking with them and journeying with them and, and talking about them in really tangible, personal terms. Mm-hmm. Um, can you maybe break that down into what that looks like and maybe some of the steps you do to, to achieve those? Sure. So I, I really do think, you know, as I was mentioning, you know, St. Benedict, to pray is, is to work. Um, and I really do, I've, I recognize that we could get sometimes so absorbed with work, even when we're trying to be very much intentional to say, my, my work is going to be my prayer. But even in our best efforts, we fail, right? And so what I know I have to do sometimes, I have to say, like, St. Benedict, help me make this prayer my work. And so I have to call on them often and really call on their intercession, again, knowing that I can't do it alone. And I, and I want to get myself out of the way. Like when, when I'm the one in control and in charge, the work doesn't come out well. But when we actually allow God to take over, suddenly that's when, that's when the work becomes beautiful. I remember when I worked for the Archdiocese of Washington, I, when I moved from young adult ministry into directing the digital media efforts, I didn't know how to build a website. I thought, I thought they were foolish for wanting me to take that job. But I, I kept going back to this line of scripture of, unless the Lord um, builds the house, those who labor, labor in vain. And so I had kept saying that, all right, Lord, you're going to build this website. I'm just going to be your instrument. And again, inviting St. Benedict, help, help, help this work. Let this be a prayer. Let it glorify God. And so just constantly inviting them into the journey is the way that I get to know them more because then it becomes real to me. They're not some, saints are not abstract and far away, but they're walking with us. And, and, then, and then asking for help. Like, I need help in discerning X or I need help trying to figure out this. And suddenly, I'm closer to them and then in drawing closer to them, I'm closer to the Lord. So really, making it a friendship. Like, don't be afraid to call on the saints and the angels. Like, St. Therese said, I will do my work in heaven, right? She wants to do good in heaven for us. Like, the saints give glory to God through us, and they, they want to walk with us. So why? We should never be afraid on calling them on them. Like, we should run to them, like run to the light, run to the saints who are with God in heaven and ask and invite that heavenly assistance whenever we can. Thank you very much, Sarah.